Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Dietitian podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I recently had the great pleasure of speaking with the wonderful Dr. Dawn Clifford, who is an associate professor at Northern Arizona University and of course is most well known as the co-author of Motivational Interviewing in Nutrition and Fitness. Dawn is a name that probably will be really familiar to you as an educator and leader in health at every size and motivational interviewing. She teaches nutrition education and counselling and has experience implementing and directing university-based health coaching programs. Not only that, but also Dawn conducts research and is an accomplished speaker in the areas of motivational interviewing and non-diet approaches to health and wellness. She also does a bit of publishing with several research articles in the Journal of Nutrition Education and Behaviour, and she's also written curriculum for today's Dietitian and Nutrition Dimensions. Dawn is an absolute pleasure to speak with, and she's got a brilliant sense of humour, as you'll hear throughout our interview. Uh, We talk about how health at every size really helps to increase your niceness as a person and really contributes a lot to effective communication with our clients and patients. Dawn's got a beautiful open style of speaking and she she has a a lovely supportive way of um, of encouraging all dietitians, all folks, no matter where you're at in terms of your path along the health at every size, uh, your, your health at every size understanding and application to practice. And uh, she she's really keen to help us all kind of learn from wherever we are. So I hope you really enjoyed this interview with Dawn Clifford. If you're already not part of our Facebook group, which is the Mindful Dietitian, it's a closed group. Uh, obviously, on Facebook. Please join us there for some uh, for some laughs and uh, lots of really interesting discussion about health at every size, mindfulness, mindful eating, eating disorders, and body image. So anything to do with uh, dietetic practice and non-diet approaches, is uh, you can find us on the Facebook group there. Uh, if you want more information about education, training, or workshops, then you can find all of that information at themindfuldietitian.com.au. Again, thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Dawn Clifford. Hey, Dawn. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It's such a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you for having me, Fiona, and thank you for all the work that you do to promote mindful eating and health at every size with dietitians. Well, you know what? You've been really instrumental in that, not only for me, but also for lots of people. So I guess on that note, (laughs) shall we just take a dive down into understanding a little more about you, a little bit more about you as an academic, as a, um, like a human being maybe, um, and, and what, and, and all the work you've done in terms of uh, uh, education and training and your brilliant MI work. So we could obviously talk for hours about all the amazing things that you do in the world. Uh, And so why don't we just start there and tell us a little bit about your career trajectory, you know, how you kind of came into dietetics and then where, where your course took you from there. Yeah, absolutely. When I was um, in high school, I knew already that I wanted to be a dietitian, and my love for dietetics actually came about through a swimming career. Um, And I started noticing how I ate and how it impacted my performance as a competitive swimmer. And then when it came time to apply to college, I knew I wanted to find a university that had swimming and that also had a nutrition program. And that led me to uh, Northern Arizona University, where I um, completed all four years swimming for them and on a scholarship and really enjoyed uh, my time in Flagstaff, Arizona. It's also where I met my husband. He was also on the swim team. Um, and I, I, that time in college certainly confirmed that dietetics was Uh, a profession that I was well suited for and that I enjoyed. And and from there, I went on to complete my dietetic internship at a VA hospital and had the pleasure of starting my career as an outpatient dietitian um, at a VA hospital and have always been fascinated by the psychology of behavior change and knew 
early on in college that I was really more cut out for the nutrition counseling element Mm -hmm. of the profession and also um, suspected at the time that that teaching was in my blood. I come from a long line of teachers Mm -hmm. and my mom deterred me from becoming a teacher because she was concerned about my salary, Uh, (laughs) which is really unfortunate. And I showed her because I became a teacher. Right, exactly. I just found another route to uh, get into teaching. Um, And so, so those have always really been my two passions, connecting with people on an individual level and exploring behavior change um, and also teaching and mentoring students. I absolutely love um, just walking with them in their journey throughout their profession um, and especially being there at the beginning, getting them excited for, for what's ahead. Oh yeah. Working with, um, with students is so rewarding, isn't it? It's, you know, their, their enthusiasm is infectious and being able to harness that and, and use that energy for, uh, for quote unquote, for good is, um, it's such a privilege. It really is. Yeah. I'm curious to understand Dawn a little about in your early days, what were you noticing, which, which uh, lit the fire in your belly about eating behavior? What were you, what were you noticing in the folks that you were meeting, um, which led you in that direction? Yeah, well, I did have the opportunity in college to do just a little bit of counseling at the university rec center. So that was my very first exposure to, um, to the counseling realm. And I, and I don't have real concrete memories of that time, just um, that that I started to notice what I said and how I said it certainly played a role in whether or not uh, clients would attempt the behavior change. Um, and then in my first position as an outpatient dietitian, that's where I, I really started to um, focus more on that. And I, and I really did not receive any formal training in nutrition counseling in my undergraduate program or in my dietetic internship. So everything I've learned about nutrition counseling has 100% been through my own um, pursuit of, of knowledge. And honestly, um, through a lot of trial and error. And that goes, that's, that is certainly true for um, my knowledge of motivational interviewing and nutrition counseling. And also uh, that's where I started to realize that health at every size, the health at every size paradigm was really the only way to go. um, Because I I always tell my students, I basically learned how how to be with a client and what to say and what not to say through saying all the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true for, for so many of us. Yeah, absolutely. And when we can, you know, cultivate a sense of presence with that, rather than saying, oh, you know, I mucked it up, or I said the wrong thing, or perhaps arguably worse, not even noticing that you've done that, um, then it really enables us to grow and mature in our ability to connect with people. Absolutely. And so much too of the learning process, are our visions and thoughts that we have maybe even after, you know, that whole experience Mm, occurred. mm -hmm. Um, I know that was certainly true for me, helping uh, clients keep food records and track calories and putting them on the scale. You know, at Mm -hmm. the moment, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I I was Mm -hmm. doing what I was trained to do. And it wasn't until later in my career that I looked back and realized, oh, wow, I really screwed a lot of people up. <laughs> and, and no wonder they lost weight and gained it back, which is what I saw repeatedly, but never took responsibility for it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When we notice when we notice things that are happening, you know, for our clients or with our clients, and if there's no particular paradigm or philosophy that we're aware of, which explains these particular experiences or explains the patterns, then it it doesn't always necessarily give us a good framework in which to understand these experiences, which is what is so amazing about health at every size and uh, research into, into dieting and then using, you know, um, beautiful, um, beautiful therapeutic um, modalities such as motivational interviewing that we can actually, you know, really help shift things. Exactly. That is it. 
So Dawn, you are very well known amongst dietitians for your book, Motivational Interviewing um, in Fitness and Nutrition, which I love. I'm on my third round now, which is <laughs> amazing. And wow, I'm reading the book. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know the interesting thing is that I get something new out of it every single time, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to have mentioned that at all. But I think as I become more practiced in my own skills, I it, different things pop out at me, maybe as areas to um, you know to dive down a little more on, or just nuances and. To be honest, that's what I love most about motivational interviewing is all the nuances and the way in which we can also bring some of our own personality to it as well. It's just beautiful that's in that right. way. Yes, yes, that's very true. And I I love hearing that that there were multiple reads in this journey <laughs> because oh, I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And that's probably true for so many of the books that we that we read to help us in our skills that it's probably the second or third time that it all really starts to make sense. Yeah, I, I really think so. And I mean, um, I'm, I'm sure similar to yourself, Dawn, and to a lot of listeners, my my bookshelf or my book reading to-do list is, um, <laughs> it's um, fairly lengthy, shall we say. So I'm always gathering new things to read. But um, I read your book first I'd done some MI work about 10 years ago or some MI training and then came back to it when I read your book and then did the training formal training with Tara McGregor here in Australia and then went back and read your book again and I feel like that was really great thing to do um, your what I find about your book is that it it's a it is a really beautifully paced text um, where and everything's very clear and all the examples are just so uh, they're spot on like it's exactly what we would be hearing and seeing and and really I saw myself all, <laughs> also when you were doing the when you were I mean of course you didn't say this is what not to do but when you did that one I was like oh yes I do <laughs> remember that <laughs> so it's so compassionate it's like here's not what to say in a compassionate way. <laughs> right, right. Well, good. Thank you for saying that. And yeah. um, my co-author, Laura Curtis, and I were very intentional about creating examples um, that really spoke to a lot of different um, nutrition and fitness professionals in a lot of different settings. Yeah. Um, and that's wonderful to hear that that when you read some of them, you, you think, oh, yeah, I've had a conversation similar to that because... Mm -hmm. That's thanks to both Laura's um, career as a dietitian and also uh, my career as an outpatient dietitian in at the, the VA. Um, also, I, I worked um, as a dietitian at, on a university campus for five years and um, also through the health coaching program that I ran at my previous institution. So, I mean, it, it's so nice to have material like that from actual um, sessions. Oh, yeah, really yep. understand. And I know for myself learning MI, it was really those examples, seeing the skills actually practice, whether it's through videos or scripts, um, that the material really comes to life. That's and I love what you said, too, about, you know, reading the book, attending a training, reading the book again. I, I really think the very best MI learning is going to happen when you do a variety of um, learning strategies. So, um I, I just really want audiences to hear that MI training does not end when you finish the book. <laughs> uh, no. It's really important to attend <laughs> trainings and to obtain supervision and to talk about it with friends and uh, reread the book. Yes. Yeah, that's so true, actually, because it's because I think sometimes we can um, we can be drawn into the idea that, you know, if I read a book, then that's then that's okay. Then that's kind of enough. And for some people in some circumstances, of course, we're not, we're not in a position perhaps to be able to attend some training. Um, you know, if our kids are really little or where we live in a remote, remote area or finances are tight. So I think it's, um, you know, when you can attend training, um, it's, it's just going to bolster, you know, that the knowledge and the, the kind of intellectual nourishment, I guess, that comes with a, a book such as, as the one that you um, and Laura have written so beautifully. It's such a, 
amazing contribution. Um, I'm, I'm curious to understand a little bit about why am I, um, you know, because there's a lot of different kind of therapeutic strategies or therapeutic models, I guess you would say. Um, so why, why did MI in particular stick with you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, because it, it has a lot to do with sort of my faith background and this desire just to love people well. And when I learned motivational interviewing, it honestly just felt like a, a way to love people well. Um, to be very intentional in, um, in caring for people, being, you know, a good listener. I love the concept of accept, accepting people um, just as they are, that unconditional positive regard. You don't have to do anything for me to love you and accept you just as you are. I think that just really spoke to my heart and to my own personal faith journey. Yeah, that's, that is so beautiful. So obviously MI is, is a great match for your, um, not only your faith, but then also your values, what you want to bring to this career as well. Absolutely. Yep. And um, what a, what a beautiful, I, I just am forever in gratitude to Miller and Rolnick who mm. um, developed motivational interviewing and have led the led the training efforts in that fashion. And um, the more, you know, as, as part of the motivational interviewing network of trainers and the listserv that I'm um, fortunate to be a part of, I just see um, these are just people who, who, who want to love people well, you know, yeah. they're just every single one of them. And when you go to the trainings, you're surrounded by people who are good listeners who want to, um, who just really genuinely care about people and their um, their lives and their struggles and it's just a marvelous group of people to be around um, in that aura of that spirit of MI just sort of you know pours out of people's skin um, and it's 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 amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's interesting you say that because the the folks that I know who are most passionate or who are specialists perhaps in MI, although they wouldn't say that. See, this is the thing about MI folks is that they would never never say, oh, "I'm a specialist in MI," <laughs> um, you know. But I, if I can if I can describe them as such, I that's one thing I really notice is in the, in that particular group of people, there is a there is a particular spirit of caring which really resonates with MI. And so it's really interesting that you raise that because I hadn't thought about that before, but every single person who I know who really, really, um, who really lives out MI, you know, professionally and personally on the spirit of, of, of MI, um, I, yep, you're, you're absolutely right. They're all just <laughs> authentic. Authentic is what. Yeah. Authentic is a great word. And yeah. I, and um, people who sort of live by Brene Brown's work of just mm -hmm. let's be real with each other and let's, um, let's be genuine and authentic. And that's really the path towards happiness. And if, and I want to say to listeners too, if you're sitting there going, well, I'm kind of judgy and I'm not really all that loving, but I really do want to master motivational interviewing. Um, I want to <laughs> encourage people that it is, it is, it can be a journey and that is completely fine. And I just noticed that the more you learn about motivational interviewing and the more you practice and the more you are intentional about using those skills, you naturally become more of all of those things. You become less judgmental. You become more compassionate. You become yeah. um, more genuine and authentic. So I think it, it's a journey and um, yeah. it's certainly, it's the same debate of, you know, are you born as an MI person or can you Yeah, that's one? right. And well, I think it can go both ways. Well, maybe we could say that if you recognize that the judge that judgment is an issue for you, then maybe MI is your perfect match. Actually, maybe it's the antidote. Maybe it's there you the, go. You know, maybe it's the the, the me medicine or the cold water. You know, which which cools the heat of of judgment for yourself and for others. Because that's the great thing about it is you can understand your own humanity so much more deeply, and then have compassion for your own experience. So, I'm not sure if if you've kind of experienced this, but 
it made it I feel like <laughs> this is going to sound utterly ridiculous but I actually feel like a nicer person when I use MI. <laughs> no that's exactly it I mean you couldn't have summarized MI better with that <laughs> sentence so I maybe we should sell it this way right become a nicer person being a <laughs> brain in MI <laughs> Yes, yes. Feeling I could be nasty. selling millions of copies instead of thousands of copies. <laughs> Feeling a bit judgy today? You need MI. Right. Yeah, buy my book. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so moving moving right along. Uh, so how do you notice that that motivational interviewing um, intersects with health at every size philosophy? Yeah, it's a it's beautiful, honestly, the way the two can come together, um, because so much about the Hayes paradigm is acceptance and non judgment, um, you know, taking working with the person where they're at, and um, that unconditional positive regard, that regardless of their size, and um, that they are deserving of radical self-care if they choose and and of good um, health care services and all of that so the acceptance piece is just a no-brainer it's just a perfect um, tie between the health at every size paradigm and motivational interviewing uh, I think also empathy right and um, trying to understand what it might be like um, to be somebody in an oppressed group and what it's like to be in a larger body and um, all of those things. And, and so really just MI is, is beautiful again because the emphasis is on empathy and curiosity and just trying to understand what it's like to be um, in the world as your client. Uh, I think partnership again is another piece of the spirit of motivational interviewing and, and um, the beautiful way that aligns with the health at every size paradigm is helping the client figure out what is going to really feel best in their bodies. And when it comes to dietary change, what is going to make them feel the most energized throughout the day? What foods um, give them a tummy ache? What foods don't? Mm. What levels of hunger and fullness feel the best? Um, and so that's all, you know, part of partnership is just coming alongside them, asking the right questions to help them figure out the best way to be eating for their bodies. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just beautiful the way the two come together so nicely. And what it really allows us to do is to, is to maintain that spirit in a, a compassionate and curious way to allow the wisdom of the person in front of us to, to raise to the surface, um, which is such a, I think it's a real gift. It really is. A, yeah. And that's a beautiful way to say it is, is treating the client as the expert and they're really the experts of their whole, their bodies and their thoughts and their um, patterns. And so, um, yeah, it's amazing when we can just really express that within a, a counseling session and just how empowering that can be for them. Mm, yeah. And you, you, mention acceptance and a, a lot about um, you know the great thing about so many of these um, you know whether it's philosophies or models or models of care or uh, you know what, however you want to call for example health at every size or mindfulness mindful eating motivational interviewing how they all intersect at particular locations and you named several um, and two of the central ones well, three really would be acceptance, non-judgment and compassion. And I find it interesting and fascinating and not surprising that actually these are the intersections. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And thinking too about compassion, you know, one of the pieces of compassion is that you're not out for self-gain, but you're out for the client's gain. Yeah. And just think about the diet industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, constantly being out for their self gain. Um, and so how being a non diet dietitian is, is all part of the package that you're not out for self gain. You're out for your clients, uh, well being. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and 
the parallel process, of course, that can happen, you know, when you're, when we're, when we are, um, you know, really, really intentionally sitting in that space of acceptance and compassion, um, what it can also, in terms of transference and counter-transference, the, the beautiful flow of energy that can happen. And it doesn't mean that everything um, flows nicely necessarily. It doesn't mean that we don't hit um, snags or, um, or that everybody's super happy to be greeted with <laughs> ideas around health at every size, um, but that when we can be steady in, in ourselves um, and, and provide a steady, compassionate space, then we can offer, um, you know, information and um, we can offer, um, you know, offer a space to clients where they can explore, um, you know, because not everybody's ready, right? Right. And, and not everybody's ready collegially either. <laughs> No, exactly. <laughs> so, what what do you notice collegially? Because because you've you've worked in quite a number of different workplace settings, um, you know, most notably um, in education, education and training, academic kind of settings. So, I'm curious when when students come across people with different kind of philosophies. What you know? How can we how can we work with that? Yes, and I and I love um, the concept of using you know your motivational interviewing skills to share a health at every size message, whether you're with a colleague or a family member or um, or a client. Uh, that's the other way that MI and and the Hayes paradigm intersect so beautifully. Is that it's such a countercultural message, and so. Um, you can expect some resistance when sharing a countercultural message. And that's why um, using motivational interviewing to, to share that message with folks is really going to help, help it go down, help uh, people accept it, swallow it, <laughs> at least um, not run in the other direction when they're exposed to it. And, and yes, as you've um, alluded to, and I've shared with you that it's, it's certainly been a journey at, both of the institutions that I've worked at in academia um, and also uh, in, in other places um, that and something that every listener here could relate to is just when you have a different philosophy than your coworker and um, about health and well-being and, and how to share that in a way that's respectful. Um, and I think I think that you're just not going to go wrong if you're using the acceptance, compassion, partnership, evocation components of the spirit of MI, um, it's, 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 gonna, it's just gonna go a whole lot better. Um, and I think the other important piece, or one of the things that I like to um, go back to is that there are a lot of pieces of the Hayes paradigm that are pretty easy to swallow when framed in the right way. And so I think it's important um, to practice our sound bites, right? How to, mm. how to share those little pieces of the Hayes puzzle um, in a way that the person you're speaking to has, has, has no response because it's just undeniable. But also maybe focusing at first when you're starting to expose a colleague to some of these concepts, focusing on the pieces that are um, more mainstream or yeah. more palatable for people who are being exposed for the first time and, and in the effort of building rapport, building that relationship, helping um, the person you're speaking to see that there, we actually agree on a lot of things here. There are just a few pieces that we have maybe a differing of opinions. I've been using the term um, eating disorder prevention a lot in my conversations lately with colleagues. Oh, yeah, yeah. I practice, you know, I practice uh, promoting health and well-being in a way that prevents eating disorders. Oh, um, very smart, I, very smart. You know, and I find that how can you, how can you argue with that? <laughs> mm -mm. Mm -mm. That is a great tip. Very good tip. Because then, uh, you know, just, just jumping on, you know, on top of what you said previously, and that is when you can find the um, the things that you have in common, the the you know, perhaps perhaps it's you know genuine care for other human beings. Right. 
we usually don't find ourselves as health providers unless we really care for others. Exactly. You know, absolutely. And even things like um, promoting physical movement. It's like, okay, yeah, you agree. I agree. Promoting physical movement. It's a, it's a great idea. Uh, we don't want to shove it down people's throat. We still want to be a completely accepting of folks who decide they don't want to participate and engage in physical movement. But um, you know, there's some, there are certain pieces or eating fruits and vegetables. Yeah. You know, there's certainly a lot of pieces of fruits and vegetables like access and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But I think we can all sort of agree that um, the fruits and vegetables are things that have a lot of nutrients and fiber and, and mm-hmm. make our bodies feel good and, and um, lots of studies with prevention of disease. And so th- there are certain elements of um, that, that I think we can agree on. And I think that um, sharing some of those pieces is helpful. And I also find that when I share intuitive eating and when I share mindful eating, um, folks just latch onto that just fine. They, I mean, very rarely um, after I share mindfulness with eating or, or intuitive eating, does somebody say, no, that's ridiculous. You know, that, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, so I find, again, just sort of starting with those pieces. And that's also sort of the same strategy I use in the classroom with my students. I kind of start with the pieces that um, I think students will latch onto and, and find freedom with and really um, be open to. And then later, you know, present some of the more controversial pieces to them, like weight, weight inclusiveness and um and yeah, promoting stigma body. and things like that. Yeah, promoting yeah. Um, programming that reduces weight stigma, etc. Yeah, oh, I I love that actually because um, as, as I was listening to you, I was like, I was thinking, oh yes, you know, we're all the same, aren't we? We're all the same in the sense that if we can start from a place of, you know, what do we have in common? Mm-hmm. And then to be able to um, create a, a space of acceptance and compassion and mutual respect, because people with whom we disagree philosophically, let's just say, um, it's not that we don't respect them or that, that we dislike them. It's just that we're coming it's like we're talking to each other from two different vehicles, really. <laughs> you know, it's like, you've got a vehicle, I've got a vehicle. It seems as if we're trying to head in the same direction, but actually our roadmaps look uh, pretty different. Um, and I'm curious to understand your roadmap. And, and is it okay if I share some of my roadmap with you? And um, I just completely made that up off the top of my head, Dawn. Please forgive <laughs> no, me. No, I think that's a beautiful analogy. <laughs> I think a beautiful analogy. Absolutely. That's it. We're headed in different directions. We all really want the same thing in the end, right? We want healing um, for our our clients. That's it. We just know a different road that we think is going to um, really actually get the client there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about joyful movement. If you were to stand up in, in, in the front of a classroom, any class, and say, who thinks it's a good idea that your clients really enjoy the activities, you know, that they're participating Mm -hmm. in, who thinks that they'll be more motivated to do physical activities that they actually enjoy. Everybody's going to raise their hand. Totally. Right. That's joyful movement. That's a haze paradigm concept. Um, So it's nice that we have some pieces that, that um, at least can get the ball rolling in the, to start off conversations with absolutely absolutely well i think the the most beautiful thing i love about um health at every size is it speaks to our humanness really it 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 speaks to our our humanness and our desires for the well-being of ourselves and others which is so wonderful and you know when we can see the obstacles maybe that lie in front of us to be able to um, access um you know to be able to access um i guess ways in which we can bring that to the folks that we work with, remembering that, of course, our clients are not necessarily in the same, um, you know, they, 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 they could be, you know, very well um, connected in with a, with a particular health system, with a particular, um, you know, set of specialists who, and have been, you know, um, who have been existing in a, in a particular medical paradigm for, for quite a while. So it's really tricky. It is. It is. And it, I think it's important to know your audience too, right? Yeah. Um, and to know, am I talking to a scientist, a 
another faculty member, another healthcare professional, um, and what, and to find out a little bit about their experiences um, with yes. supporting folks um, in, or doing research on, you know, really finding what is their experience, what is their niche, and, and just really considering that in, um, in, 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 I want to say, in intervening, right? In a, right. But in exposing them um, to non-diet messages. Yeah, definitely. So, so speaking of that, um, because I'm aware that, it, that there are quite, quite a few students um, and academics that do listen to this podcast, um, when you have, um, when you have a variety of teachers who are presenting things maybe through a variety of different lenses. Um, what what would be your advice for students if that's their experience? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great question, and it's something I have experienced um, significantly at uh, my previous institution at California State University Chico, and uh, we we did have a lot of students. Um, come to us as faculty and say, we are getting mixed messages. Mm -hmm. um, and at first, you know, there was a lot of drama. I mean, it was um, hard for us faculty um, to uh, all come together and, and really talk it out without some stress and <laughs> discomfort. Uh, those were some really difficult conversations. But um, I think at the end of the day, those of us who were um, promoting a Hayes message came to the place of, you know what, it is so amazing that these students are being exposed to these different philosophies. And then at the end of the day, they get to decide how they want to practice as yeah. practitioners. And they get to make not just a decision, they get to make an educated decision. Um, and so we started to see that as a blessing that that we weren't on the same page and that thanks to academic freedom, we all get to teach our classes in the way that we see is, is best. You know, of course, um, we will all want to be evidence-based practitioners, but we all know that that's open for debate in terms of which studies sure. you're referencing. <laughs> so everybody views themselves as evidence-based practitioners. Mm -hmm and instructors, um, which is part of, of the trickiness of, of these conversations. But um, I, was, I was genuinely happy that our students were being exposed to two um, different philosophies. And we had some students leave our program and become health at every size warriors and absolutely become advocates and uh, implement um, Hayes' paradigm approaches within their own practices and we absolutely had students leave our program and go work for the diet industry and of course, I'm not going to lie I mean every LinkedIn request that I get from a student that's like now working for Weight Watchers part mm -hmm. of me dies part of me dies <laughs> I'm going to be honest yeah no fair enough fair enough but but it's but if I'm able to take a step back and look at the big picture um of course that's going to happen and even excuse me <coughs> even if the only message they were receiving from us was a non-diet message that's still going to happen because they are in we get them for, for those four years of their undergraduate training and then they move on right and they move on back into diet culture uh -huh. and so often I saw students who really promoted non-diet approaches who later um sort of reverted back mm. and, and went on to work for a diet industry. Excuse me. No, not at all. Um, and that's actually really interesting because, of course, that's what we see in a lot of our clients. And that's what we see in a lot of um, other health professionals. So not only dietitians, but also other health professionals where they are really, um, where they do start working in this way in a, you know, from a, from a non-diet approach paradigm, but then it's not easy being countercultural. It's really not. And, and sometimes that discomfort can really draw us back into the, you know, what we, what unfortunately is regarded as quote unquote mainstream, um, but more, more towards diet culture. So I guess 
you know, if, if we think about that as a parallel process, it's, it's not surprising, is it, that, um, you know, the, the discomfort that arises in being countercultural means that we actually have to really dig deep. We have to get support, peer support, um, uh, have really good supervision and be really well connected um, to exactly. maintain that sense of being grounded, you know? It's so true. And so often, you know, students would go off into a dietetic internship where maybe they were asked to teach a weight loss class. And I had those students email me back and say, this is horrible. I can't believe I have to teach this weight loss class. Um, what do I do? You know, and so um, I would encourage them just to um, use their MI skills to share a Hayes paradigm with their preceptor, um, if yes. appropriate. If appropriate, <laughs> but also to just um, teach the class because I said you, you need to wait till you're through this process and then you get to practice from um, the standpoint that you want to practice. Um, and I also, of course, validated and empathize with them uh, how horrible that you know must be when you when you know that you're possibly causing harm to the people in the class that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. But. Um, yeah, I think exactly what you said, that whole, I mean, in an ideal world, every piece of the training process is geared towards a non-diet approach. Mm -hmm. But that's just not the world that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. But the good news is, and the victories that we need to celebrate are, we're planting seeds, right? And yes, if a student embraces a non-diet approach, and maybe, you know, goes on to work for a more weight-centric program, it's very likely they're going to see the damages of dieting firsthand, and they're going to see the weight regain, and they're going to have that epiphany a little bit later in their career, um, but we at least planted those seeds to help them see that, that what, the, what the true problem or etiology is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it. that's exactly right. So it's not, not about, you know, you know, um, getting it right the first time or, you know, once you're in, you're a hundred percent in you know, humans. We, we don't, we don't particularly um, gravitate um, towards jumping ship and, you know, doing things in a totally opposite way. So toe dips um, and a, exactly, you know, kind of a more gradual immersion in, um, because let's face it, you know, health at every size and non-diet approaches. It's not just a nice idea. It's actually a whole, philosophy which um i'm going to take one step further and say it's it's like a life philosophy um which i found it it, it filters into every area of my life not just my professional life so um you know kind of expecting to be fully immersed um, particularly when we live in diet culture is um, fairly unrealistic <laughs> exactly and so yes let's celebrate those little victories that we at least can plant seeds. And, and I, of course, have to reflect on my own journey towards the Hayes paradigm, realizing that it certainly wasn't linear and it also took a long time. Yeah. Well, I think it takes a long time for most people. That This is my observation, is it takes a long time for most people, not only because when we step out of our zone, so to speak, that we are actually being so heavily immersed in diet culture, but also the competing pressures as providers. Um, if we're working in, um, you know, for example, an outpatient clinic or we're working clinically or community, that it can be really tiring. It can be so exhausting flying the flag for, for something that feels so, it feels so, that you feel so passionate about and, and other people are not, necessarily um readily coming to the party so I, I have a lot of compassion for the for the tiring nature of this way of working I guess absolutely and I have to tell you that I um experienced that fatigue recently mm -hmm. <laughs> in um in making a job change I had the pleasure of um being offered a position to come back to my alma mater, Northern Arizona University, and um, start a new program with a Master's of Public Health and a dietetic internship combined. And uh, I'll spare you the details of the decision-making, but just 
to say that that was a very hard decision because um, I absolutely adored my coworkers at um, Chico State and felt so good about um, the the faculty there who were promoting a health at every size message and just the inroads that we were making um, with students. Um, but anyways, I was given this opportunity uh, to come to Arizona and for many reasons ended up saying yes, even though I was very happy at my previous institution. Um, saw it as an opportunity to share the Hayes message with, um, with a new place and with new colleagues, which some days um, is invigorating and other days is, is thoroughly exhausting. And um, so I know, I know firsthand, especially lately, just um, how tiring that can be. It, it felt like starting over yeah. um, in a lot of ways. But fortunately, um, I have wonderful colleagues here who are certainly open to uh, at least certain components of the message and um, several faculty who even started um, using the Hayes curriculum slides in their classes. Oh, so that's amazing. Oh I know it, it's absolutely amazing. And so to, um, I think that's what keeps you going, right? <laughs> so yeah. Those little victories along the way. Yeah. When you, when you can actually visually um, see that people are, are integrating those teachings into their, their own teachings. That's, that's really amazing because there's, there's a, oh, I would say a decent percentage of the time, you know, um, the influence that we have, whether it's on individuals or groups, we probably never see it come to fruition. Um, you know, whereas knowing that people are including those slides, oh my goodness. Right. Amazing. I know, exactly. I, I mean, just the other day, I picked something up off the printer <laughs> that was not mine, you know? Yeah, I yeah. Thought, oh, whose who's is this? And so I looked down at it, and it was all about um, activities um, on the Health at Every Size paradigm that they were going to do in their classes. So, wow. you know, those are, the, those are the moments where you just smile and go, I think this is working. <laughs> <laughs> ah, my plan is, is working. Yes. <laughs> and yet I don't have a plan. I mean, that's the, the irony. Like, I don't have a plan. I just want to <laughs> love people well. And I want to, um, you know, definitely share the Hayes message when there are opportunities to do so. Um, and I'll tell you that one opportunity that presented itself just right under my nose was selecting an intro nutrition textbook. Um, I, I don't know if you've looked at intro nutrition textbooks, but they're horrific. Um, the right. weight management chapter is so diety. Um, and then, you know, weight loss messages sprinkled throughout the entire book. Um, and so I did, I had to even, you know, speak up, even if your voice shakes or however that saying goes, I had to say, um, yeah, I can't, I can't use this chapter in my class. Um, and I even told the publisher why I couldn't use this chapter in my class. And um, again, fortunately, some of the faculty at least were able to see what I was, what I pointed out to them with, with the same um, vision. And I, and again, how can they not when you couch it as a, we need to prevent eating disorders and this approach promotes them. Right. And this is a vulnerable adolescent population. Absolutely. And also that, you know, a lot of people who do have weight concern, they will be presenting to a dietitian. So it is incredibly important that we are skilled in being able to, um, uh, you know, skilled in eating disorder prevention throughout every single uh, consultation. Because exactly. living in this world is just a fertile ground for having a disordered relationship with food eating and body exactly it is and and we can we can each do our part but mm -hmm. thank goodness that we have a team <laughs> right absolutely so, so all of us working together i know such a such a strong co it's such a strong community so on, on that note what tips do you have dawn for for folks that are noticing that they're getting fatigued in their workplace or in their just life in general um what what tips do you have to kind of bolster our bolster our energy and um you know kind of stay stay focused if if we are feeling you know really committed to sharing this health at every size message yeah, that's a great question. I, I think the first answer is always self-care, right? Mm -hmm. 
So doing those self-care patterns that really um, help each of us as individuals, and that looks completely different for each of us. Uh, I think it's also important to be part of a health every size oriented community so that you don't feel that you're alone in the journey. Um, so joining those groups, whether it be on social media or listservs, uh, is another important form of self-care in this journey. I think celebrating every small victory. Um, the other day, uh, uh, my department chair emailed me a an article about a kid being bullied for his weight. <laughs> and I saw that as a victory. Um, and he just said something like, oh, it's based on, you know, what you do, I thought you'd be interested in this. Mm -hmm. Victory, right? That right. he even just thought, uh, paused for a second and thought to forward it to me. Yes, yes. So celebrating those little victories, I also think um, it's important to remember our own journeys and how most of, for most of us, that was a very gradual journey. Uh, and so to have patience with people and to remember that it's not going to happen overnight uh, for our colleagues and for our clients. Um, and so we can just um, take every opportunity that's presented to us as an opportunity to share a piece of the Hayes puzzle um, to never feel like you have to share the whole puzzle at once, but to share a piece that re could really resonate with the person you're speaking to at the time based on the conversation that you're having. Um, I, my friend, uh, Dr. Amy Osier, is a good friend of mine from Northern Illinois University, and, and we do some research together, and, and she calls it sprinkling. All right, I think maybe I said it first, and then she just keeps using it, but <laughs> sprinkling haze dust, right? Oh, I, I love that. She sent me a picture of, she said, what, what color tutu do you have? And I said, pink. I have pink wings and pink tutu. <laughs> and so she sent me a, uh, a picture of a, of a pink fairy. Um, and she goes, there you are, sprinkling your haze dust on, you know. Your, oh, I love that. <laughs> and so, yeah, that, that's, that's the goal, right? Is just to sprinkle haze dust whenever you can. Um, yes. Within the context and just hope and pray that that grows into a desire for that person to know more yes. um, and hope too that when they experience a, a small piece of that freedom, that they'll be hungry for more. Yes. Oh my God. I'd love that. I have this visual, <laughs> I have this visual of you in your pink tutu and your, <laughs> and your pink wings sprinkling, sp you know, sprinkling. It's glittery in my mind. It's glittery. Um, and it's yes. The haze dust is being sprinkled over community. It is. Whole it is a yeah, whole new community it. and it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. Of course, if, of course. And then, and then gathering our own haze dust means, you know, keeping our cup full means that then we have to really take really good care of ourselves and stay well connected and, and seek support and seek supervision and, uh, and just, I guess, have, have faith, you know, have faith in ourselves, have faith in each other as well. And so we can really bolster that sense of, um, of togetherness and, and humanity. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And I guess the final um, tip in, in sharing that message and not getting fatigued is using motivational interviewing. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And so I, I found that, um, some specific skills that have been real helpful in that journey is first just um, asking the client to share more about their experiences, right? Starting with, you know, what, what diets have you been on? What if, what's been hard about the dieting process and reflecting back what I call the diet misery talk that you hear from clients um, and summarizing it and shining a light on it and helping them see that, um, what, what they've done in the past roads that they've taken on that map haven't led to a happy ending. Yeah. And, uh, and I find when you start at that place, uh, they're more likely to be open to an alternative approach. Uh, and then I think another key MI concept is asking permission yeah. before sharing information, maybe even, you know, sometimes asking, what have you heard about non-diet approaches? Um, would it be okay if I shared this alternative approach that I think might really resonate with you based on the experience that you've just shared. Um, and then sharing, you know, that piece or that element of a non-diet approach that you think might really speak to them based on what they've shared at that point 
and then following it up with, you know, what do you make of what I just said based on your experience? Um, and, and then finding out where they want to go from there and being ready sort of with a list of different starting points um, yes. for adopting a Hayes paradigm uh, and inviting them to select one that really speaks to them in that, in that time. So one of the things I'm really excited about in the next few years of my career is getting more haze oriented MI sessions on YouTube for free Please. for people to watch because Please. I just feel like, Oh my gosh, it is such a missing piece right now. And, and that's honestly where, um, the desire to write the book that we wrote came from is that I was looking for this book <laughs> to use in my classroom and I couldn't find it. Um, and I said, well, well, darn it. I guess I'll just have to write it myself. And, um, <laughs> oh, sorry. That's how I ended up. Yeah. That's how I ended up, um, pursuing that. And thank goodness for folks like Molly Kellogg and Ellen Glofsky who had wonderful materials out there. I just really wanted like a textbook. <laughs> and yes. that was the piece um, that I, I just felt like it was needed. And now I feel like the biggest missing piece is non-diet oriented um, motivational interviewing sessions for folks to watch, to see it, it done. And I know one of the biggest barriers to that is that uh, talking about food and weight struggles is such a personal topic and certainly something folks don't want all over the internet. <laughs> um, but I'm looking at writing a grant right now um, to get some training materials that would include some actors, uh, you know, not as good as, as real people uh, sharing their real struggles, but you have to do what you need to do to protect people's, um, to protect uh, people's anonymity and all of that. Yeah, so uh, perhaps, perhaps some good actors could, could help us um, I could demonstrate skills. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come to Arizona and be your wonderful. actor. Wonderful. I just had, I had this vision of, for example, you interviewing uh, Tara, Tara interviewing Ellen, Ellen interviewing Molly, Molly interviewing you and just this, complete motivational interviewing love-in between all the people who I just love and admire in in the motivational interviewing kind of, I guess, teaching world. Um, That's a beautiful so, vision. So dearly. And, and everybody, I, is so everybody throughout the journey has been so wonderful and supportive. And yeah. I just, I just uh, love each person you just <laughs> named. Mm-hmm and their materials and their trainings. I mean, they're phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. So, so if, if anybody hasn't checked out, so um, Ellen Glovsky's book is absolutely fantastic. Of course, um, of course, Molly Kellogg's counseling tips for um, nutrition therapists. She's got, I think there's three volumes of her books. And then um, please, 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 if you have not got your hot little hands on motivational interviewing for um, nutrition and fitness professionals, you must seriously do not end this recording before getting onto Amazon or your particular book, um, book, uh, what do you call it? Book um, website of choice and do yourselves a massive favor. Get Dawn's book. You will not regret it. And, and as Dawn, we've said, is there a be a nice, um, become a nicer person guarantee in it? <laughs> <laughs> It will fix all of your relationships with your mm -hmm. children, your partners, <laughs> your, your parents. Be a nice person. It does have the potential to change your life. Ooh, and I'm not exactly. I love it. No, <laughs> I believe you 100%. I've, I 100% have experienced that. So, um, Dawn, thank you so, so much for um, being with me today. It, is, it has been such a pleasure and a privilege to speak with you. Um, and just to finish us off, is there, a, is there a place where people can connect with you or find out more about your work? Yes, um, we have a website that is motivatechange.net. So pretty easy to remember, motivatechange.net. And from there, uh, you're welcome to contact us. And those emails that you submit from that website come straight into my email account. And I am very good about responding quickly because we absolutely love hearing from readers. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So don't hesitate to contact me to reach out and share stories, questions, uh, whatever you have. We just want to be here to support you in your journey to towards becoming a more compassionate um, practitioner. So thank you so much, Fiona, for having me on the show. What a pleasure it was to talk to you. Oh, you too, Dawn. I can't wait for us to connect in person, um, hopefully sometime, well, in the near or distant future, however it happens. It'd be great. Me as well. That will yeah. be so wonderful when it does. I've got a big hug with your name on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. I shall receive that gratefully. <laughs> thank you so much, Dawn. Well, that's our episode of the Mindful Dietitian interview series for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest and to you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. Just a reminder that you can find me over on the website, www.themindfuldietitian.com.au and please join actually quite a large group of wonderful and enthusiastic dietitians on the closed Facebook group, The Mindful Dietitian. The music you hear is called Happiness from Ben Sound, used under the Creative Commons license. Have a great day, everyone.